If you didn't know, we're on the Uversion Bible app. All right, so open up Uversion, bottom corner, hit more. Go down to events. You can find Refuge Church right there. It'll have sermon notes, Bible references, helpful links, uh, suggested reading plans. It really is the best way to follow along with the message. But right now, as you guys are finding that, it's group exercise time. You ready? You guys stand. Read this with me. All right, hey, this is week three. It's the last week. That means this is the last time you have to do this. I need to hear you. I, that, I got a lot of, yeah. I didn't hear a lot of, yeah, let's go. All right, I need to hear you. Can we do this? Can I get an amen? All right, let's go. All right, throw it up there, Todd. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Hey, we got better every week. You guys crushed it. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so hey, to quickly recap where we have gone the past two weeks, all right, week one we really looked at attitudes in prayer and attitudes to avoid, all right? We talked about the vending machine God, all right, where we go to God and we ask him for things. And we think, we act as if, if we just say the right things, it's like punching in the right numbers. If we say it the right number of times, the appropriate amount of times, he'll give us what we ask for, like he is a vending machine. And then there's the Advil God. That's where we go to God and we ask him to mask our pain. Uh, we don't want him to fix the cause of our pain. Uh, we just want to take some aspirin to cover up the pain that we're experiencing. We just want him to cover up the symptom. And we looked at how the, the correct attitude in prayer is actually God with us. And then last week, we really dove into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we talked about how God is our Father. All right, we've been adopted into his family. So we don't need to pray prayers that, like we're praying to a professor or we try to say fancy things or try to sound eloquent. We need to explain, uh, pray prayers plainly, just like we would to a caring parent. Uh, if you missed last week, this isn't going to make much sense, but we need to ask Dad for the Super Bowl tickets, right? All right? Uh, I, I'm getting some blank stares, so I just got to, this isn't in my notes, but hey, I had a buddy, he did a series on prayer, he was a kid's pastor, did the whole series, this little kid, Nash, comes up, and he says, hey, can I pray for the end of service, because he was like asking for volunteers, Nash prays, Nash goes, uh, God, he had one request, God, I want Super Bowl tickets for my family, and my friend Chris is like, we spent a whole series on prayer, and you're asking for Super Bowl tickets, uh, the next week, Nash shows up for church, he's very excited, He's very excited. He wants everybody to know that his dad called into a radio station and his family got tickets to the Super Bowl. Can I get an amen? All right, my God provides Super Bowl tickets for the family. No, hey, hey, but here's the deal. He's dad. Ask him for the Super Bowl tickets. I don't know if it's going to happen for you, all right? I can't guarantee that, but I think we need to go to God with our bold requests. Keep going. He says, may his name be kept holy, all right? Uh, and that's not talking about when you just hurt your hand, all right, and you, you hurt it and you let something slip. Our followers of Jesus, our lives should match up to what Jesus has said. And so when we attribute something to God that isn't really the way that we should be acting like God would want us to, uh, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. May our, his name be kept holy. Will we live lives that line up with what he wants us to do? May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want what God wants over what we want. What he wants over what we want. God give us the food we need. It's not just talking about physical food, but he's talking about spiritual food, right? Spending time with him. And to put it in that context, how many meals are you having with God every week? Some of us come on Sundays and we just eat as much as we can like a buffet and we hope it makes us through the next week. We need more than that. We talked about how God forgives us. Uh, we don't have to wonder what his response will be. When we go to God and we say, I'm sorry about this. Forgive me for this. His response is always, I forgive you. 
And lastly, we talked about how God can protect us from temptation, from the enemy. And so far, we've set the stage. In week one, talked about having the correct attitude of prayer. Last week, we, we looked at uh, what we should ask for. Uh, and today, as we finish up the series, we're going to look at another passage in Matthew. And, look at, uh, and we're just going to look at how to really put it all together. To actually live it out. Uh, because well said is not as good as well done. And so we don't want to just talk about prayer. We want to get out there and pray. Uh, remember, we've had this illustration every single week, the Blackstone. Anybody like the Blackstone? All right, the griddle in the backyard, you've got to season it. All right, you've got to season it to make it or you get that nonstick on there. The more you use it, the better it gets. The more you use it, the better it gets. All right, when it comes to prayer, the more you pray, the better it's going to get. So before we dive into these very practical tips, I want you to know there's no tip or hack that is going to be better than you just striving to pray more, to pray consistently, because it's not going to be perfect. Uh, but if you don't take those steps, you'll never get there. It might be awkward or a challenge, but you can do it. God is with you. You have everything you will need. You might strike out. Strike out swinging, all right? Get in the game. Don't strike out just sitting there. No more weak prayers. Spend time with the God who made you. Uh, before we pray, uh, before we get into our passage today, let's pray one time together. Uh, God, thank you that no matter uh, what we got going on, we can come to you in prayer. That there's nowhere, there's no situation where we can't come and seek you. That we have that privilege to go to you. Uh, help us to be hungry for, for more of you. And bless our time together. Uh, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 9. We, we referenced this last week, but we didn't get a chance to really dive into it. Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 9. There we go. All right, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? And those verses... All right, those are titled in, in my Bible. They've got like paragraphs, you know, and it says effective prayer. That's what it says right there. And I don't know if you know this, but when the Bible was written, uh, it didn't actually have verses and chapters on it. Right? There are different books that were collected, but it was actually just like letters sent to certain churches or someone's account of something. So this is Matthew's account of the life of Jesus. And so uh, we added those notes in there. We added those paragraphs in there. Uh, and when the Bible was written, it didn't have those. We added those so we could follow along. Uh, so just because something's in a paragraph separate from the one above it, it doesn't mean that those aren't connected because when it was spoken, it was just spoken as one general thing. And so Matthew 7 is divided into several different parts. Uh, and in the first part, it talks about not judging others. It talks about prayer. It talks about the golden rule right after that, a tree and its fruit. And you'll hear entire sermons preached on all those things. Uh, we're going to do that next year. Uh, but right here, Jesus is saying these statements, and they're right after one another. It was all given at the same time. And I think what's interesting is the order here that we have. Uh, he starts off by saying, not judging others. In Matthew 7, verse 1, it says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. And then it talks about effective prayer, that passage we just read. And then immediately right after that, it goes into the golden rule. It's verse 12. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The point that I want to get at is the context of that keep on asking part. 
But I really, right before we get to it, I want to focus on what's above it and right below it because I think they're equally important. That context of that effective prayer is sandwiched in between two really things, two really important things. The context matters. We need to have the author's original intent in mind. Um, I, I, got, I can just pause for a second. Have you ever seen those calendars where it's like a daily calendar and it has a, a verse on it? Uh, and it has the verse, and it's like really cute. Uh, there's, uh, I saw this, and it was a, a verse, and it's Luke 4, verse 7. And it says this, I will give it all to you if you will worship me. I will give it all to you if you worship me. And uh, you might be thinking, that verse sounds really good. It's from the Bible. I mean, I just gave you chapter and verse. Uh, it clearly means worship God, and he will give you all that's been given to you. Uh, Todd, there's a picture of this little daily calendar thing. You throw that up there. Not that one, the next one. Don't look at this. This is for later. This is for later. There we go. All right. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. All right. That sounds like an inspirational Bible quote. All right. It says less inspirational if you know who said it because Jesus didn't say that. Satan said that. All right. When Satan is tempting Jesus, he says, he takes him up to the temple mountain. He says, if you will bow down to me, everything you see will be yours. Context matters, Okay. Alright, because that's not really inspirational when you realize you're quoting Satan, alright? And so in the context of what we are reading, it talks about how we should not judge others, how to effectively pray, and it says treat others the way that you want to be treated. And so those are really connected, uh, the way that those all go together. And I think it really becomes, uh, when in our prayers, if it's all about us, if it's all about us and the way that we pray and we pray for our own self, uh, that, that's going to manifest itself if we're not thinking about others. Uh, there's no way around it. If we're not thinking about how to not judge others, we're being gracious to people that are in our lives. If we're t- treating others the way that we want to be treated, uh, it's going to manifest itself in our prayers. Uh, treat others as you would like to be treated. Uh, so I think when it comes to our prayer life, uh, what a lot of us miss out on is we, we make it all about us. And so this is anonymous, right? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do this. But if God was to answer every prayer you've had in the past month, uh, would anything happen for the people around you or just you? Right, we'll go out to the, to the next circle. If God answered every prayer for the past month, uh, would anything happen to people that aren't related to you, that you don't share a last name or blood with? Would anything happen to them? Uh, we'll go a little further. All right. If God were to answer all your prayers from the last month, would any of your coworkers' lives or your neighbors' lives be changed at all? Or would it all be about, number one, myself? Would it all be about me? Do to others what you would like them to do to you. All right. This year, uh, we are on the Riverwood car tags for pickup. Uh, so when the parents pick up their kids here at Riverwood Elementary, it has this number on the front. The teachers here know what family that is. They get the kids in and get them ready to go. So on the front, it's there for the teachers. But on the back, it actually has uh, our logo and website on it. Uh, and I got this text. Todd, this is that first one you threw up there. I got this text on Thursday morning. Uh, this is a pastor friend of mine. He's in the area, right? Uh, just side note, churches, we're not in competition with one another. We're in cooperation. This is a guy who's preaching the gospel to other churches. I want to champion him. Uh, but he sent me this. Uh, his kids go to school here. So he got our, our church thing right there. And he says, I'll pray for you and your church every time I get in my truck. Much love. It is humbling and encouraging to have another brother praying for you. And not just once, but he's saying consistently he's going to be going to the Father on my behalf. To have someone pray for you is really a great thing. 
So why don't we pray for others? Again, don't judge others, and you won't be judged. Uh, Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Uh, If we would love for people to be praying for us, we should be praying for and encouraging others. Uh, And I just want to offer one, one possible reason why we don't pray for others. Now, not the only reason, but I think uh, one primary reason we don't pray for others is we are so focused on what's going on in our lives that we don't even realize that those are, there are those around us who need prayer. And can I just stop and say, everybody around you uh, needs some prayer. Everybody around you needs some prayer. All right, even if the cup is full, they're doing all right, guess what? Pray it up, right? Let it overflow. Most of us are so busy living our lives, we don't think to consider what the people around us are going through. So as we dive into these verses and look at the context of it, remember that right before and right after, Jesus wants us to remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. He talks about keep on asking, keep on receiving. Everybody who knocks the door will be open. Seek and you will find. It's not about you. It's what it's sandwiched in between. It's not saying I want the Bentley, I want the Lamborghini, I want the Super Bowl tickets, right? Saying it should be bigger than you. Jesus said he didn't come to serve, but he came to serve others. So pray big prayers, right, for your family, for your life, but don't stop there. As Bob Goff would say, go Grand Canyon on it. Pray big prayers, not just for you, but the people that you come in contact to all the time. Verse 7 says this, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Have you ever seen the persistence of a toddler? All right, uh, Kinley, she's about 18 months and she's getting there. Uh, We're going to be in trouble here in about six months. And we're already in trouble. Who am I kidding? Uh, We're already in trouble. But the persistence of a young child. Uh, when they have their minds set on something, they will keep on pursuing until they get it. Or they throw a tantrum and they get a nap if they don't get it, all right? But hey, they will keep on pursuing until they get it. But a young child is never afraid uh, to ask for something and to keep on asking. Uh, and, you know, they are really persistent. And the reason why is because experientially, they know. They know. They're smarter than we are, right? They know they're more likely to get what they want if they keep asking, right? The desired outcome that toddler wants of that candy, the more times I ask for candy, guess what? The likelihood of them getting candy. Anybody ever given in to your child? Yeah. You told your child, it will never happen. And then it actually happened. All right, yeah, that's been me. They persist because they believe it will happen. They believe it's going to happen. Uh, and it happens all the time because they are ruthlessly persistent. Now, sometimes, if we're honest, us, we're humans, they just wear us down, and we just really want them to stop asking, here's the sucker, please don't ask me any more questions for 10 minutes, right? We just, we just give in. They wore us down. We want to have a minute. Uh, but other times, uh, it's good things for our children. We want them to have it, but it just isn't the right time. Like, I would say yes if I could, but this just, that's not going to work out right now. All right, the, can we go get ice cream? At 9.30 on a school night? No, we can't. I want ice cream. You want ice cream. Those are good things, but it's just a little too late. Uh, But when they keep on asking, guess what? When they ask at the right time, we get an ice cream. And here's the difference. In this scenario, we as adults, we know when is the right time and the wrong time. There's an appropriate time to ask. This is an inappropriate time to ask. 
when it comes to our prayers and asking our Father in heaven who loves us, who wants to give us good gifts, we don't know if it's the correct time or the wrong time. We don't see what God sees, but he wants to give you good gifts. And when he doesn't give us that good gift, it's for our good. It's for our good. He sees things that we don't see. And I've wondered how many opportunities I've missed because my persistence wasn't up to the challenge. Because I didn't pursue it. I'm guilty of this. Uh, when I have a request uh, I, before God, I'll pray, I'll pray for it once. And then I get on to finding a solution on my own. Anybody ever been guilty of that? It's like, hey, I got stuff to do. God, help me with this. And then I go and I try to do it. Like I prayed, I checked that box, and now it's all on these shoulders to put the pieces together. And when we faithfully pray, it shows how much we really think God is in control. I know I'm guilty of it. I pray and then I assume all the responsibility. By my actions, I'm saying, God, I know I'm supposed to pray about this. God, help me with this. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to do it like I can do it all. But I know you're not going to answer my prayer, so I'm going to do everything I can. That's how, our, that's how our actions show our prayers. We pray, but then by our actions we're saying, I just don't think you're going to answer this, so I'm going to go do my part. I'm going to pretend like it all depends on me. The emphasis is all on what we can do. And when we persistently pray, the emphasis is on what my God can do, what your God can do, what our Father can do. Can I get an amen? Like, our God can do great things. And there's the phrase that says, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. And there's some truth there, all right? Uh, if you're praying to God for fish, bring your net. If you're praying for rain, bring the umbrella. But you need, you need to work towards your prayers. You need to have some skin in the game. But you should never be, de- that should never be a deterrent to us bringing those requests to God, saying, God, I need you. God, I need your help. We need to keep on praying. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says this, never stop praying. Never stop praying. It, it, never, it seems so simple, but when you say never stop praying, it seems a little overwhelming, doesn't it? Like, how am I going to never stop praying? And you may be here thinking, I've tried to always pray. I get distracted. I don't know what to say. Um, I just want you to know God has provided ways to help us grow. He doesn't just leave us to this on our own. He is right there cheering us on every single step that we take. He's excited for us. No matter how big or how little, he is celebrating every single step that you take. And so we're about to get real practical uh, about prayer, to increase the number of prayers and to really help us pour out our hearts before God. And it might seem a little weird or unusual, but the more you get into a healthy rhythm of praying, the easier it's going to become. Remember the Blackstone, it gets better as you go. I want you to think about it this way. When you go to a vineyard, there are grapes on the vine, right? And they're supported by this thing that kind of goes across. It's called a trellis. It's called a trellis. And uh, the trellis is that, that wire, or maybe it's wood, and it just runs the whole way down, and it provides that vine something to grab onto so that it can continue to grow, so that it can continue to bear fruit. Without that trellis, without that structure, uh, you could have two of the exact same plant, right, right next to each other. Uh, it could be the same soil, they could have the same watering schedule, they could have the same fertilizer, they could have the same amount of sun, the same amount of shade, everything exactly the same. The only difference is one with, with the trellis and one without. The one without the trellis is going to struggle to produce what it could. While the one with the trellis, that structure, that form, that system, is going to produce at a much higher rate. And so for those of you who might be struggling to have a meaningful and fulfilling prayer life, 
I don't think it's because your desire to grow. I don't think it's that environment that you're in. It's possible that you haven't created that trellis for your prayer life to grow on. And here's what I mean. To say I want to pray more, but I don't set aside specific moments to pray. Uh, to say uh, I want intimacy and I want to connect with my savior, savior, but I keep my phone right there just in case somebody texts me. Uh, it's just not going to work out. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, if I want to have, all right, don't be weird. If I want to have an intimate moment with my wife, whether that's in the bedroom or a nice date, and I'm having this moment with my wife, and we're just sitting there hanging, and I'm like, and I check my phone. Guess what? Intimate moment, gone. It ain't going to work. She's going to be very unhappy, all right? Why would we do that when it comes to talking to our God? To treat him like, yeah, he'll be there for me. He'll be waiting. I can do this real quick. We get distracted. So for a few moments, I want to talk to you about crafting some rules of life uh, that will act like a trellis for your prayer life. A rule of life is a term. It's just really meaning to describe the standards you have set for yourself. It's the guardrails that you put up to keep going on the path that you want to go, to keep going, some rules of life. Uh, let me give you a, a personal example. Uh, one rule of life that I have, and this, this has been a challenge for me to get to this point, uh, but I will not pick up my phone from the charger that's in the kitchen, that's not in the bedroom. I will not pick up my phone from the charger until after I have read my Bible and I pray. I cannot do it. No one is imposing that rule on me but me. The reason I can't go pick up my phone before I do anything else, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to have a notification. I'm going to have a text. I'm going to have an email. Uh, and I'm going to get distracted by those things. Like even if I just like click on the emails and I don't open them so that they stay unread and I get that like urgent last day to whatever, I'm going to go, I'm going to go read my Bible going, I got to get done with this. I got to go reply to that email. I got to get that done. I got to register for this. Um, my prayer time and my reading of God's word, it's going to be a little rushed. You can't rush intimacy. You can't rush that time. It's not going to work. So it's me saying, uh, before I go and connect with the world digitally, with the people going around me, what's going on on my phone, before I do that, I'm going to connect with God. And I want God to have my full attention. Not part of my attention. I want him to have my full attention because he deserves my full attention. So what are the standards you could set up for you that would serve as a trellis in your prayer life? Something that would allow you to, to grow, allow you to, to produce more fruit, things that would promote growth in your prayer life. Um, and so these are just, I'm going to give you a few things that have worked uh, for me. Uh, again, I just want to be real practical. Uh, there's nothing special about it. These have worked for me. They might not work for you. Uh, but there are things you can do to provide that trellis that you could really grow your prayer life on. A few things. All right, no phone till after. Uh, I told you guys that one. Uh, write out my prayers word for word. You know how, like, you get distracted? It's really hard to be distracted when you're writing, right? And here's the best part. I got young kids. I still get distracted. It happens. They come in and blow up my moment. If I wrote out my prayers word for word and I'm in the middle of a prayer and they come in and I put the pen down and I come back, guess what? I know exactly where I was. I can read where I'm at. It's really hard to get distracted if you're writing that out. It forces me to slow down, to not be hurried. Uh, I got a, a method for organizing my prayers. I have like index cards. They're in columns. And so at the top I got like a name and I'll circle it. And then I go down and write it every day. Um, and so when I write a request, I know the next time I come to pray it will be waiting, waiting for me. So if somebody tells me, hey, would you pray for, put it on there. Guess what? Next time I go pray, I know it's right there. That, that's not fancy. Uh, 
but a dull pencil is better than the sharpest mind. You guys ever heard that one? All right, it's just making a system and using it. I pray the same eight prayers every single morning. All right, I read scripture, I ponder, picture, pray uh, a specific passage. I think about that picture. I picture what that passage would look like, and I think about what's happening in it, and then I just pray that passage back to God. I pray for Kelsey. I pray for Cooper. I pray for Clay. I pray for Kinley. I pray Psalm 5.8. I pray Psalm 62. And then the last thing I pray for every single day is this church. And after that, the prayers change. Whatever requests are going on. Right now, it's praying for my father-in-law. But here's the deal. I know the first ninth, eight things that I'm going to pray for every single day. It doesn't change. And sometimes it's a little bit monotonous. It's the same thing. So I want to keep it fresh. But here's the deal. I can go back and I have uh, the last two and a half, three years of prayers where I can look at my son's name and I can see every single circle that I have around him. Every single day. I'm talking about hundreds of circles around my son's name where I can just say, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for your life. I've prayed for what you got going on right now. I've prayed for your spouse. I've prayed for you and your relationship with your brother. I've prayed for you. And that's not to say anything special about me. Please don't, please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying God wants that same thing for you. That persistence say, you can do this. What's something that you could set up in your life, that trellis, so that your prayer life will grow around it? It's not going to happen by accident. have to be intentional. What's one thing that you could do? Uh, I, I thought of this one. I wanted, to, I wanted to be practical. We're finishing this thing up. Remember, uh, well said is not as good as well done. Uh, you know what would help a lot of y'all? I'm about to bring the hammer down. Are you ready for this? All right, instead of bringing your phone to the toilet, all right, bring your Bible to the toilet. A lot of y'all's prayer lives would go through the roof with that one simple thing. Okay, all right, now, hey, uh, but here's the deal. It would probably two or three X right there, but maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just not listening to the radio, and maybe it's when I drive, instead of jamming out to some songs, I'm just going to pray. Uh, it's not going to magically improve. You need to build a system or a structure or a trellis that's going to promote growth. And some of you guys, it might be different. You're saying, hey, I got the time. I just, when I get there and I have that time and I know what I'm going to do, I, I struggle to focus. I, I simply don't know what to pray. Like, I don't know what to pray. What am I going to do? And in tough and trying times, it's, so, it's okay to not have the words to pray, to just sit there in silence uh, with God. Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 12 says this, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? You are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's prayer right there. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. We don't have to fill our prayers with words. I think, honestly, sometimes the, bre the best prayers that we pray are just tears falling from our eyes. It's okay to not know what to say. Remember, God isn't looking for you to say the right words. He wants your heart. He wants to be with you. And so there are times where to be still and silent with God, and there are times where we want to pray and, and say things. We just don't know what to say. And in those moments, we don't need the added pressure of uh, knowing what to say. It can be helpful to, to read and pray the prayers of others and just to make them your prayers. They're using their words to pray to God. Uh, there are passages of Scripture that are just prayers to God. Did you know there's literally a book put out by the Anglican Church? It's called the Book of Common Prayer. 
and it's literally prayers and a passage to read and to read it and to pray it back to God every single day. Uh, I did this for a little while. There's a little Puritan book by a Puritan pastors called The Valley of Vision. And it's like this little bitty book and it's got these little bitty pages and you read, a, it's just a prayer on each page. I just prayed those back to God. Didn't know what to do. I was like, hey, I need to pray more. I'm just going to pray these back to you. And it's amazing how I didn't even have the words, but I read somebody else's and God spoke to my heart. And I got to pray them back to him. Uh, there are prayers that uh, have become well known. Uh, anybody know the serenity prayer? Ever heard that one? Right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Grab onto that. There's, I've heard this one called the leader's prayer. Give me humility that exceeds my gifts and character that exceeds my platform. My point is this, uh, you don't have to have the words to say. There are words out there that you can use. If you're struggling to know what to say, uh, read those prayers. Use those words and make them into your prayers. That can be a powerful thing. And maybe it would be helpful to have a resource like that. Say, hey, uh, before I eat lunch, I'm going to read this little prayer here and spend a couple minutes just reorienting my heart towards God and praying this to him to use the words of others to help me because it's not actually about the words. It's all about the heart. So what's one step you can take to work on your prayer life? It could be as simple as I need to make the time to pray. I need to put it on a calendar. I need to make an, an emphasis in my life. I don't just need to hope that it happens. I need to make it happen. It could be finding a resource to pray through. I don't know what to say. Well, you got options. You can pray scripture back to God. There's other resources there. Could be a number of things. What's one step you can take to level up your prayer life? And I don't, I don't say that as a negative thing, but hear me out. God wants more of you. There's always a next level. And I believe he could change uh, not only our city, our community, our county, but I, think, I believe he could change our nation and our world through the people in this room. Uh, and not in some miraculous, woohoo, shot off of a rocket. Just the faithful steps of his people just following him and taking the next step and the next step. Again, it's not a rocket. It's just a set of stairs. What's the next step for you, for you and your faith? Uh, and as we wrap up today and we wrap up, this series, uh, I know that prayer can come across a little uh, superstitious. Like we don't, we don't know what it is. It seems a little weird. It might be a thing that just religious people do. And to an outsider, it might seem like, it might look like people just crossing their fingers and hoping for the best. And uh, prayer is not us crossing us our fingers and saying, God, please give me what I want. That, that's not the posture of prayer. The posture of prayer is this prayer is open hands and saying, God, give us what you want. Prayer isn't cross fingers. It's open hand. God, I want what you want in my life. It's not superstitious. It's surrender. How can you make room for prayer in your life? Let's pray.